Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. The kids on Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? Halloween's a Freddy Krueger podcast. Was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. From the Consequence Podcast Network. The Minds Behind the Losers Club comes a new podcast in fantasy terror. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Halloweenies, a Freddy Krueger podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK, Independent Louisville at WFPK.org, Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. However you found us, I hope you stick around week after week. We put out interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over at Consequence of Sound. So uh, so please subscribe. You're obviously a fan of interviews. Why not keep up with uh, all of them? You can subscribe at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. I'm Kyle Meredith. It's a really special episode today for my friend, the late Scott Hutchinson of Frightened Rabbit. He passed away one year ago, May 10th, 2018. And while his passing has left a, a huge hole in all of our hearts... The music that he made still stands and has gone on to do so much good in the world, whether it was just us hearing ourselves in his music or influencing so many bands after Frightened Rabbits uh, released even just their first album. So I thought we'd do today is uh, I've put together the three recorded interviews that Scott and I had done with each other. Three times I was very lucky to be talking to one of my favorite wordsmiths as a ways to remember uh, not not just what a brilliant mind that Scott had, but what a funny, funny person that he was, as so many fans and interviewers will tell you. So what you're going to hear is uh, is one from 2013, uh, one from 2016, and then our final interview from 2017, which was about Frightened Rabbit's final release uh, while uh, Scott was alive called Recorded Songs. We're going to start with 2013, though. I had met Scott a handful of times before this, and we'd hung out, but it wasn't until they were promoting Pedestrian Verse that we actually found ourselves behind the same microphone outside on a grassy knoll in uh, Louisville, Kentucky at the Iroquois Amphitheater when they were on tour with The National. And it was so much fun. We, we got to talk about uh, you know, the, the similarities and differences in Kentucky and Scotland, especially with bourbon and whiskey and accents and colloquialisms. That was a fun one to throw in there, as well as their EP, the, uh, the Late March Death March EP, and of course the album Pedestrian Verse. So that's where we'll start right here, part one of Kyle Meredith with Scott Hutchinson. All right, hey, it's the weekly feed. I'm uh, Kyle Meredith and Scott from Frightened Rabbit. And you've made it to Kentucky. Uh, we did, yeah, yeah, quite easily. Yeah, Fine. welcome. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about the uh, the similarities of Kentucky and Scotland. Okay. You, you're in bourbon country. Whiskey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bourbon country. And I got to say, I like better than scotch. 
Nothing against, you know. That's fine. The home country. Okay, that, that's fine. It's, like, it's, it's two very. I mean, you put it in the same family, but they taste completely different. Well, we age them in the same barrels. We got all our barrels from, right. from you guys. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it, so uh, single malt Scotch whiskey needs. <laughs> yeah, it has to be aged for at least one year in bourbon. I did not know that. Yeah. So we have some of it in there. Yeah. You guys, you kind of have this reputation, and I, I don't mean to say that like. Like you know, oh. a character thing like that. But you know, you 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 drink. I drink. We drink, and yeah. you guys kind of wear it as a badge of honor too. I think. Well, you know, I wouldn't. In, you know, I wouldn't endorse <laughs> that. But I would say that it's had a huge impact on our music and the way we are and the right. way we live. It's it's a, a, you know, it's a Scottish pastime. Sure. And um, and that way, in that way, it kind of seeps, if you like, into everything we do. Yeah. Yeah. Are you worried any, any like about your reputation or your character when it comes to that? Like, man, maybe I need to say not say something else about drinking. I've never. Well, no. You know, I've always we've always had the kind of motto, if you like, that you know, it's like be honest and true sure. to ourselves. Sure. And uh, until I quit drinking, there's going to be drink, drinking refer- references I'm in for there. You. Yeah, yeah. We should say that you're on tour with the National. Yep. And this must be, I mean, this is like the most depressing, <laughs> like lyrically depressing, dark, drinky uh, tour of all time. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's soaked, <laughs> let yeah. me tell you. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, think it's, I think it's a great match, actually, as well, because you have no idea how. It's funny, well, you probably do, but like, uh, it's funny how when you take depressing music, how joyful the live experience can sure. become, because everyone's there just like, well, A, they might be drunk too. And, but there's a, a sense of release, uh-huh. you know, because uh-huh. uh, people people come here to kind of forget about all the yeah. stuff and then it's nice that they have this release when they see the, the live show we are kindred spirits right here so it's, it's, it's yeah, all good yeah, yeah, this yeah. is not judging by the okay, way good. I'm uh, finding a likeness <laughs> in you so let's, let's talk about everything that's going on because uh, you, you got the, uh, the the new record out yep. uh, you signed to Atlantic we did that, yeah, was, yeah. that was kind of the big news at first about this yeah it was you know it wasn't too, it wasn't too big of a deal I mean there were, there were a few people who were kind of like got in touch to say, oh, that's that then, we're never, never going to listen to you again, you right. sellouts. And I don't uh-huh. think even this concept of selling out exists anymore. No, no. You Not can't. like it used to. I mean, no. we grew up in the 90s where that was a thing. Right. But, that, but yeah, but Sonic Youth signed to Geffen. And, and it's it like... <laughs> they put out a greatest hits in Starbucks. Yeah, right. Starbucks only. So I just don't think it applies anymore. Right. And so, and then if anything, it was, we were given more freedom than we ever had in the past, right. you know, to, to, to make the kind of record we really wanted to. And that's always a kind of a question about when that happens, because when you're signing to a major, it's the major game. You're kind of on the bigger scale. Yeah. And you have to think, I mean, I have to assume that there's at least some of that that goes on when you're writing those songs. Like, are these going to work on the, on, the, on the bigger platform? Was that ever part of this? No. Yeah. I like, it, like I said, I was expecting to have a battle with them. And sure. They were going to come in. And where's your pop Where's song? the single? Yeah, I don't right. hear one. And uh, not once did that happen, so I was like, "All oh, ready for a fight," and it never, never came. So I just put my gloves down. And I mean, you guys have singles, though. We shouldn't well, say this that this is a singleless record. There's lots of singles on this record, naturally, I guess. And maybe that's why the they thing didn't is, have to. yeah, I think I've been writing songs in a pop structure, you know, with a with a fairly dark twist at times. But I've been writing songs like that since we started. Sure. And for anyone to say, "Oh, they've all they've gone pop," well, just listen to our first record. We have pop songs that are, you know. Uh, kind of poorly produced but they're pop songs nonetheless <laughs> we like those yeah we like them all I, uh, of course there was some criticism that went back and maybe this was with hardcore fans that didn't so much like winner of mixed drinks as much as the early stuff because sure. it was a different sound I think so yeah was was there ever a reaction to that with uh, Pedestrian Verse where you went because that's what a lot of uh, reviews are saying Pedestrian Verse like oh it's kind of like their older stuff but you know with a yeah, bigger sound I think, I think the if anything what happened was a lot of people who maybe didn't like the third record came back. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I think it maybe did have a lot more in common with stuff that we were writing before that. And the thing that happened with Winter of Mixed Drinks was that I think I, I felt like I revealed too much of myself on the, on the, the album before that. And uh, and it was maybe even like as a sense of embarrassment. I was like, I didn't mean all this to be public. <laughs> and then I kind of reined it in. So actually, you know, I kind of smoothed off the edges and yeah. then realizing in doing so I realized that that's not actually what we're best at you've also got this thing where you guys talking about um, you know with this record you kind of opened it up and you wanted to you got bored with your songs in the past you got bit. a lot bored with it so you'd rewrite them and everything yeah yeah so you went into this one you know in a different way mm-hmm. but I have to imagine while you're still out there you're still going to get bored of these songs and you're still going to rewrite them is that kind of they, they, they'll take on a development and yeah. you know that, that's 
you know, night after night playing the same songs live, then you, you develop them. Like, for instance, the first song from the new album, Acts of Man, has this big, I don't know, corn-style heavy metal ending right. now. And uh, <laughs> Frightened Rabbit does corn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get this. We get the seven-string bass out, and um, but it's uh, it's things like that that just keep keep it interesting. Yeah, yeah. And for for fans as well, you know, they don't want to just. I don't. I don't think anyone just wants to go to a concert and hear the CD a little bit louder. No. So we try and change it to mess it. Yeah. yeah. Because there are those. You, you go and you and especially the pop acts. You go and you pay a hundred dollars to go in there and watch the album live. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, I, mean, I would love to see your dance routine and your lip syncing. That's that's. I can't wait. Oh for that yeah, 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 yeah. Run, you know? I mean, costume changes sure, and everything. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. That's that's when we really would have sold out. <laughs> <laughs> so with pedestrian verso, and that is talked about because you, for the first time, you opened up some of the songwriting to the yep. band. That's kind of one of the hook stories of this album. Mm -hmm. And so what was the reason for that? Was it because you needed a different direction, you know, or, or were you just looking to kind of take the pressure off of you? Because when you're the sole songwriter, yeah. that's it. Well, both of those reasons are valid. I, I, I definitely, I didn't do it in order to take the pressure off because I don't mind pressure as such. However, when it was relieved, yeah. it was, well, there's no other way to put it. It was a relief. Yeah, right. You know, it was, I, and also I could, I felt like I could... I was a little bit less involved in the songs, you know, when you're kind of like, you're completely immersed in a song, you can't really even see see it for what it's worth sure. or make changes, you know, based on any kind of uh, objectivity. And I had, was able to st take a step back mm -hmm. and it was really nice to see the whole the thing as a whole and, um, and see parts, and hear parts that were not mine, that were exciting and interesting to me because in a weird way, all you, if it's all your own music, it becomes less interesting, yeah. and uh, and you're not surprised by it anymore. So that was the problem. I, I wasn't my own music wasn't surprising me anymore. What did you ever worry though that uh, getting the influence by the people, the song wasn't going to go where you'd hoped it'd go? Because I yeah, imagine still when you're the when you're the central songwriter, you get to direct when you need to. But yep. still, when you bring in those influences, you could lose everything possibly. Possibly, but I think whenever I let go in that way, yeah. it, it gained so much more yeah. rather, rather than losing it. It was a process. It was a process for me to, to let go of that control. Right. But as soon as I started hearing, what, you know, I was truly excited by what we were coming up with. And, um, and then after that, I, was just, I just kind of like completely let go. Yeah. And there's some of the process, I guess, that makes it in the song because I, I hear an oil slick. Yeah. You know, and the oil slick. Yeah. Uh, when you're talking about that kind of in the, ver uh, you know, about why would anyone swim through your lyrics? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and why would anyone like your voice? I know. Right? Is that kind of like, because that's, I mean, talk about honesty. That's that's kind of honesty right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, I see it almost as kind of like a joke on on your on your audience. You know, on your fans. Uh, like this is my own personal joke on my fans. It is. Well, I I, I love one of the things I love. One of my favorite bands, the whole Steady, do it all the time yeah. as well. And and actually, Matt does it a lot too, where you you kind of make these self-referential mm -hmm. songs, you know. And 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 almost becomes like there's a there's a secret code within the songs that re, re, lots of them refer back to other ones from right. the past. Um, and although it is a joke, it is also like I feel like it's more involving because there's a there's a sense of history and a, and a timeline attached right. to it as well. But I always like putting humor in my songs. It's mm -hmm. a really it's a really Scottish trait is to treat the worst times in your life with a sense of humor, you know, like everything's completely disastrous, but at the end of that song, like, I guess we'll be fine. What a beautiful culture. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Hulk Steady's it's, a great example of that. I mean, he talks about getting famous and being cooler suddenly in his song, you know? Yeah, I it's know, great. that's the thing, you have to, and there's no point in, uh, there's no point in, in someone who has a great life yeah. pretending that they don't, you know, just for the sake of instilling pain in the songs and, you know, and I wouldn't do that either so uh, fast forward now there's already an EP uh, I guess in the UK it's the Woodpile EP and yeah, America yeah, 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 it's right. Late March Death March EP which is probably because two labels couldn't get on the same timeline is what I'm guessing yeah they don't yeah they're only they are only five hours apart but they seem to be right yeah it's just worlds different different mindsets altogether. and I guess that's you know Europe, uh, the singles work differently over it there it does work really differently yeah. over here which is great actually one great thing about the US mode of release is that it's very much more focused on the album yeah which is which I think is a is what we where we write albums. We I mean, in, in this in this in this uh, format in this genre or whatever, you know, I, I can see that. Yeah. So which is why we I guess 
like with when we have to release a single with the EP, we like to be a bit more generous yeah. with the content it's of it. It's great because a lot of bands don't take that time anymore. I mean, these are new uh, songs, right? Yeah, these three new songs. songs. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever get worried though that when you're putting them on these EPs, they're not going to get you know kind of the kind of the the stage that they could because these are three great songs. Right. Radio well, Silence, Candlelit, and uh, Default uh, Blues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Default Blues wasn't so much of a problem. That was supposed to go on Pedestrian Verse, and it never made the cut. And, uh, Personally, and I, my favorite song off of Really? Yeah. I, I mean, well, this is it. I, I don't know, like, um, I think an EP, although it doesn't give it full album status, we also like to make sure people are updated as to what we're doing at that point in time yeah. and how, we're, how our sound is developing. And, and I, I don't want to sit on a song for two more years, right, you know? Right. It's just when it's ready, it should be out. Get I out think. there. Yeah. If it's going to have a life, it's going to have a life. Uh, Default Blues, actually, is it, similar lyrically in spots to uh, The Oil Slick. Yeah, Default Blues is, yeah, kind yeah. of, it's kind of about the... Maybe that's that, why I centered on both of those, Well, too, that idea that I was just saying, whereby, you know, you, so many songwriters just, like, have this phony pain. Right. And, uh, and you, I can, you can spot it a mile away. It's cliched and, um, and, and, and essentially amounts to nothing, and, and I think that song's about, about those writers, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's something, I guess, you know, because you talk about your voice, that uh, stood out to me, too, because I remembered post... 93 or whatever it was if you were from the UK and mm-hmm. you wanted to break in America you had to sound American yeah, 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 I remember. and then Oasis came and you know and a few other bands but I think they were, they were probably the biggest at the second they to were... do that and you've never had to hide you've never had to say oh man I have to sound because you're full on Scottish in these yeah. songs <laughs> well I started the way I started writing was um, like I say it's always been about my own personal experience yeah. and it seemed odd there was a small clutch of Scottish bands who had begun to do that at the right. time that we were starting out as well and we all kind of just grouped together for safety mm-hmm. uh, but there was this total you know that, that mid-Atlantic kind of I don't know where it was from that accent that pervaded Scottish music and now when you go when I go home and I go to shows and hear bands that I'd never heard of from Scotland, they're all singing in their own accent. Right. And I think that's a fantastic thing. I don't know why people didn't do it before because of course, you know, it, from any other culture to any other culture it's a bit romantic. You know, that's to hear I, that, you know, it really yeah. works. Yeah. You know, Delamitri had just sounded more Scottish. Maybe they would stuck around longer. Yeah, you know, they had radio hits. They did, they had, but they only had one hit. That's true. <laughs> uh, great song. Yeah, yeah, they're a great songwriter. Um, but you know, I think the especially in the US, we found rather than it being a barrier or any kind of like colloquial colloquialisms, <laughs> not, <laughs> colloquialisms. Colloquialism. I Most have, NPR phrase I've ever heard. No, okay. Fallacious colloquialism. Oh my god! <laughs> I heard it on NPR. Like, wow, there it that's it. You were so saying that, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Just thinking about that, what that means. Um, yeah, uh, we'd have been lost. But actually, more than anything, the, the, the US audience has really embraced the yeah. the accent and the patter, I guess. And then the girls show up and they're like, "Say something." Say anything. <laughs> Say anything. It doesn't matter. Potato. Does that, does that work yeah. for us when we go to Scotland? Do the girls go speak American? Please. Oh yeah, everyone. No, all the girls think you're movie stars back there. We are. Yeah, yeah, yes, we yeah. are. You clean up. <laughs> That's what you have to. All right, Scott, we got to get out of here. Uh, thanks right. so much. Pedestrian Bears, Frightened Rabbits, Cheers, and the, uh, the new EP. Uh, it's been great seeing you. Cheers. My 2013 interview with Scott Hutchinson talking about the uh, Frightened Rabbit album, Pedestrian Verse, and the accompanying EP there, the Late March, Death March EP as well. Now we'll go up a few years to 2016. Frightened Rabbit was on the road promoting the record Painting of a Panic Attack, and Scott dropped by the WFPK studios this time. He had just written an article uh, about trees, about the environment from the point of view of a tree. So we talked about that, as well as unhealthy eating. There's a lot of talk about unhealthy eating, deep fried and carnival food, and just a great time sitting again with one of my, uh, my favorite artists. It's part two of Kyle Meredith with Scott Hutchinson. Hi, Kyle Meredith, and this is Scott Hutchinson from Frightened Rabbits. Hello. Back again. Yeah, back once again. It's been a few years. I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to see you. We were we last spoke on a lovely grassy bank, I believe. This is quite different. It's not quite as grassy. We're not in a wind tunnel this time around, though. Oh, that's true. It's a... Yeah, it was it was a complete wind tunnel. Yeah. Now that was fun. We had some um, we had some nice conversations about what was it? Uh, uh, bourbon versus Scotch. I remember that part. Yeah. And times have changed. I, I... Times have well for me as well. I, I, I've I spent two years in the United States and. That's right. uh, and a girl turned me around to bourbon. Is that right? True. That's I'll, true. I'll, I'll true apply story. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had to stop. 
It was tearing me apart. Completely. It was it was actually the, like the, the drinking was tearing me apart. It's like, okay, it's like enough. ripping my stomach well, into. It can do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I hit my quota early, like earlier than I was supposed to. All right, and then like, you can't do that anymore. I get that. Yeah. I think I always thought there's going to be a point where I'm just like not going to. I'll have had all the drinks that I yeah. should have. Right. You know, <laughs> hasn't happened yet though. Not quite yet. <laughs> Well, you know, it's nice though because since I've had to pull back, you've picked up the uh, the bourbon thing for me. So, you know, oh, the, I picked the, it up. It's okay. Yeah, the yeah. industry doesn't suffer. Thanks at this for point. sending those spare bottles. <laughs> That's no problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more than happy to help. You know, um, the country thanks you. We're all oh, very. Oh yeah, it's, uh, it's the service. It's yeah, good. it's good. Anyway, so uh, what was it a painting of a panic attack? That's I right. almost said that backwards. Panic of a it's, painting it's attack. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Yeah, yeah. You've done another fine record. Oh, thank for, you very much for frightened rabbits. Before we get into that, though, I read something, um, and it was a piece you did about interviewing a tree. You interviewed a tree. I did, Brian. I think his name was. Yeah, something like that. And yeah. this was for uh, another magazine. Um, uh, it was a magazine in the UK called Q. Q. That yeah. was it. Yeah, yeah. I know Q. I, no, but I, I only bring this up because uh, I don't know if you did that as just kind of a total joke, but it was one of my favorite pieces of writing oh. that I've read in, in a while. Well, thank you. Yeah. It was half joke, and there were some little bits of, I guess, environmental concern in there. Right. Um, so it was it was half and half. I thought it would, you know, I think for me, I've always I've always thought it's it's important to put yourself in in other people's shoes as to be em- empathetic mm-hmm. but i don't think many people are empathetic with trees and, the, and tree? that's not i'm not a hippie don't get me wrong <laughs> it's a completely false keeps a hippie basher yeah. is what you know it's um but you know i think i think there's something to be said for you know, just just thinking about what we're doing here. Yeah, well, no, I I caught the I caught it. It's not like you tried to slide that in under the rug too much. I mean, yeah. if you if you get in the article, and and I guess that's is what I was curious about a little bit though, because you know, um, I don't know who I was hearing recently somewhere in the world of media, but they were talking about how you, know, you have a lot of you have a lot of political songs, but you don't have a lot of environmental songs, or at least that you know really not take really. hold. Like musicians one, don't really tackle that too much. No. So sting. Maybe he does, yeah. but that's the, you know. Neil Young has some early ones. I guess he has. Yeah. yeah. Um. It, it, I mean, I find political difficult enough. I don't think I've ever really done that, and uh, so environmental would be even tougher. Yeah. Uh, like you say, it's hard not to sound like you're a tree hugger or something like that. But it needs to be said, right? But maybe just I think Billy Bragg should do it. Billy Bragg, he could probably could, he probably it. has done it. He probably has done it. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Bragg just needs to be on a bigger level, where you know, bigger megaphone or whatever. So it's actually he hers, does, you know, it's, yeah. yeah, for a lot of reasons in that. I would love him to run for a political post, you know. Yeah, maybe, maybe he does better good this way. Maybe he does. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it, it was cool though to read it, and I know it's kind of a different outlet for you. And I don't know if you, you know fancy yourself a writer uh in, in that sense of much but like you could by the way like if, oh. the, if that's if that's the template i would love to see you do more of this stuff okay. I, I, I don't get asked <clears throat> to do it very often and i and i i do kind of i require a brief you know like mm-hmm. uh one of the reasons why i enjoy songwriting is the template is there mm-hmm. it's three and a half minutes i got a verse here sure. a chorus here maybe a little in betweeny bit there you know that's what we call it in the trade <laughs> the, the in between bit, bit. <laughs> and that and that's something i can really hang my you know my vocabulary on uh but if i am given a blank space a Uh blank sheet and um with no real agenda i find that very difficult it's very hard i have to do a i have to do a um bi-monthly article and 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 there's no there's no god there's no assignment or anything like that you know it's like oh it's just you have a deadline yeah that's it and you have to come right yeah so the songwriting is a nice cop out, you know. You can. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to be like, able to write a book, but you know, it's. It, I, I just think I would get lost in the structure, in the sort of lack of structure of it all. Yeah, it would take me a long time. Yeah. Well, I, I can at least praise this piece that you've done. Great. And and thank and, you very much. You know, anybody that hasn't seen it, uh, Q the magazine. Q you can magazine. find it online and just you can. search your name and Tree Brian. Pretty much. <laughs> And and the other bits, uh, you know, that, that were going in because I know there was a bit of the gap, and and I was reading in that same article. I think it was a different piece in there that uh, you got in really heavily to a cooking show, and I think it's a British cooking show. Well, there's a couple that I'm into, and then your basis has really taken up cooking. Oh, he's a great cook. Like, yeah, yeah. Billy actually, for the we were we were in the studio the first two weeks of making this album, up in a studio 
called Dreamland in, near Woodstock, mm-hmm. and they they're like us kind of self catered thing. So we Billy just you know when he wasn't playing, he was making us lunch. That's and nice. It was delicious every day. It was just like yeah. Our minds D- were does blown. this does this uh does this like change your road uh you know eating a- at all because it's so easy to fall in you know you get the fast food and and what's yeah. on this exit and let's get the vending machines but that's what I was thinking is like when you've got you know apparently such a good cook in the band and mm-hmm. you yourself who's very into the culinary arts right now it's yeah, like that would well, we have no it's funny you should mention that it's a big issue in our tour right now so pretty much in, since the last one almost all of us have become vegetarian. Oh, wow. And then two vegans in the band. And then also we have this thing called Health Tour. And this is a contracted agreement between, I think there's five of us are doing it. There are four items that you cannot eat on show days. Okay. So I have chips, fries. That's one. That's one of my items. Soda, pizza, and bread. And the others have different, I and mean, we've signed mm-hmm. contract. And you and you cannot eat them. If you eat them on a show day, you are docked your per diem, and your per diem goes to charity. Wow! So you really gotta want that really badly if yeah, you're gonna step or out. Be and do that. very drunk and, and completely <laughs> forget it. Nobody minds either. It's like, yeah, had a bit of pizza, give a bit of money to charity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, it's just to kind of we find that everyone's over thirty now, uh-huh. and that's not old as such but it's older than when we were touring like banshees Mm -hmm. eating and drinking whatever we liked uh in our 20s and that's that's not something we can get away with anymore it starts to hurt it hurts it hurts a lot in the morning so have you found it it, is it challenging then to do this on the road like there's got to be some parts of the country where it gets close to impossible yeah it would be harder if we uh, were able to request these things on a rider so someone can our hospitality they have to probably go a little further than they might in Portland, right? To find to find the the gluten free bread and the you know all the all the kind of meatless yeah. treats and stuff. But uh, that part is easy enough. It's it's the it's the late night. Mm-hmm. That's where you struggle. Like, you're not gonna. F- some places you're. That's just... how you end up at White Castle, man. We know the oh, story. God, yeah, we we all know that just, story. <laughs> just picking out the lettuce. It's it's <laughs> one o'clock and you're you're starting to rationalize with yourself. You're like. Eh. <laughs> I'll break. You know, I I, I, I I have broken down a couple of times in the vegetarianism, um, but I would not break for White Castle. No. Because that's crap. <laughs> it is crap. Yeah. I know. I've, I've, I've toyed with the idea. I haven't walked to the vegetarian line, but I've toyed with the idea. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of messing with it. Yeah. I think I think I, I just don't know what's in those things. Mm-hmm. That's what scares me. Right. Um, you know, occasionally, yeah, I'll have a little prime steak. And because again, you, I know what that, you know, if I... Sure. But you've got to put your trust <clears throat> in strangers every single time. You really do. A, a long line of strangers. Yeah. Like, that's, that, there are a number of people involved in getting that into your mouth. <laughs> and, and who knows? And, you know, if from my point of view, and this is unfair for me to say this, like, I can look at Europe and say, like, you guys are worlds ahead of us on figuring all of this stuff out because it always seems like that, you know. Uh, the United States is very much known as a fast food culture. I mean, we're in Louisville, Kentucky, which is home to so many uh, fast food corporations. Of course. You know. Yeah. And, and, and it's almost like, you know, how do we break ourselves of that? But you guys seem to have, like, you, you've, you've got that into your brain, like, that's horrible. Why would you do that? I don't know about that. In terms of Scotland, I don't want to... I don't want to bring them down, but we are quite consistently voted the least healthy country in Europe. Is that true? We well, we have a, an af, uh, affinity with uh, fried foods, so deep, okay. deep yeah, fried yeah, yeah. is is very much part of the diet. Like we're talking, I you can have a deep fried pizza. Well, you can do that here. I know you, uh, can, <laughs> you can do it. Anywhere, I mean, we have our deep fried Oreos and deep yeah, fried okay. butter and everything else. You oh, know. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that one's weird. That's a weird one. But or the know. donut burger. I mean, that's. Like, well, I guess donuts are, are sort of. Deep. We have the donut burger now. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> thing, I just man. saw it. I just saw it appear yeah. in your hands there. You've got you've got both the donuts uh, and then you've got whatever the burger is in the middle. But you know, oh, that's a thing. Word. They've done that. They've done everything. You if know. You, yeah. I, I USA. <laughs> It's a, it's a sad thing. You know state. the one thing that you won't do, and it blows my mind, is you won't put you won't you won't put corn on a pizza. 
Corn on a pizza. Sweet no, corn. It's yeah. so I like good. sweet corn, but no, I've never I've nope, never I know. We do lots of you know what I do? And this is gonna sound you know, I, I so I like a sausage pizza. Yep. With chocolate pudding, dip it in chocolate pudding. So see, you said sweet corn, and I'm like, that's weird. Come on. I'm gonna throw that right back to you. All right, okay. Yeah. That's just one of those things I think I accidentally did when I was like five. All right. And so it's a nostalgia taste for me. It's like, yay. Sweet and salty. Sweet and salty is a good combination. I think it's great. I think it's a classic. I can't find any other person that. Fine then. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. You just want to try it one day. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. You got to break your. uh, You got to break the sausage rule though. The vegetarian individual also. Right. Okay. Yeah. Good luck on that. All right. We've gotten so far away from this album, haven't we? we? Very much. So I don't mind. This is (laughs) way more interesting. I don't mind either. We got to bring up the album. We got to sell it to the good people out here. Sure. Um. There you go. Because you and I were laughing off screen, and, and critics like to throw certain words at you guys that I really think is unfair because there's a style with Frightened Rabbit. Yeah. You know? There's a I, brand. I, I understand that. Yeah. yeah. But do you ever feel like it's kind of unfair, the pigeonholing? Like, let me write what I'm going to write. No, it does. Well, that, this does. This is a concern of mine often when I'm starting to write an album, mm. and I will start off with a different kind of tactic. Mm-hmm. Try and remove myself from the songs a little bit more, and that happened on this one initially until my brother sent me an email saying, "Yeah, I don't like them. They're not so. They're not so good." No. And yeah, it's hard. It's horrible to call it a brand. And I and I was we we were talking earlier about how making your own life a commodity does seem sometimes like a little bit sick mm-hmm. or something. Um, but I, I do. I, I think I have to realize that I'm doing this for a reason. I'm doing this. Because I have to think about why. Why did I write my first song? Mm-hmm. Not not because I I wanted to play it to everyone and and be applauded. But because I sort of had to. Right. There was something in there that came out in this very neat form that appealed to me mm-hmm. and it made me feel made me feel good. And and that's that's what I was thinking about when I was doing this record. Is like, yeah, if it's not it's not regressive. It's 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 kind of just what makes us. Us. Yeah. Do you think then <clears throat> in the um, uh, the popularity sense, uh, I, I suppose, because, you know, pedestrian verse, you guys were, I mean, you've gotten bigger every single time, I guess. And well, now then, you look at this one <clears throat> and here's album number five. Yeah. Like, is this like, oh, we've got to go big or go home moment or anything yeah. like that? Does that stuff equate? I thought, I mean, on the last album, even the one before that, I always thought if this is it, yeah. This is it. That's it. It's fine. I mean, I, I, I think too many people. I think that's how you actually can destroy mm-hmm. your own, um, you know, your own band and career. Maybe is if you're expecting too much out of it. And and I, I've already, we've already got more than I could have thought. You know, if you if you told me ten years ago this is what you know, I'd be here. I'd even be here. Yeah, right. You know, um, that would blow my mind. So I have to con- continue thinking along those lines. It's like phew, I'm lucky. Yeah. So. Is that then the reason, like, uh, there was a solo record in, in between? There was. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting because I, there's a part of me, it's like, but that's what it started out as. You you know, Fright and Rabbit was a it solo did. thing at the beginning, <clears throat> and suddenly now, you, and I get it, you know, you have a band now, and they're your band, they're the family, sure. These they're part of the songs, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're helping you write them. So now, you you know, to do it a, alone again, it can't be the band. Yeah, well, that that, that was a selfish, purely selfish move. I mean, yeah. it, it, it couldn't, it, of course... Some of those songs could have easily fitted on Frightened Rabbit, Rabbit yeah. album, but that wasn't the point. You know, it was about uh, feel, feeling like I had only done this one thing for ten years, mm-hmm. and um, and that had sort of removed dimensions of my character and being almost. You know, I, I feel like I was just even if I was out at a party or something, I'd just like end up talking about Frightened Rabbit. It's mm-hmm. like ah. Oh, stumps anything else let me do something right. else and although it was still music it was it was like a freeing process and it was an interesting process and it was nothing to do with business or an audience there was no audience in mind for this album i didn't care i didn't know if anyone was going to listen to it i just wanted to make it for for myself yeah. it's it's so interesting music as art 
uh, versus many other art forms, how you have to do this in such a public way, yeah. how you have to deal, you know, with your own emotions <clears throat> and, and what's projected into songs that people then have, you know, they take through themselves and they deconstruct. And then you also have to think about it in this business way. Kind of. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't remove that entirely from your brain. Uh, there are certain things that just, you know, I think it was when you're making a record, I, n- I would never think about, like, <laughs> units, you know? <laughs> right. um, but I do think of occasions where it's like, oh, you know, the outro to a song, you're like, oh, that's going to be good at, in a live show. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I, but you do kind of have to remain aware that there's there's a very fine line between pleasing your audience and pleasing yourself. There's mm-hmm. weird... Where do you sit on that? Sure, it's hard. It's a hard one because, like, I I I don't want people to hate it, but uh-huh. I I need to feel good about it. Yeah, so. but like, where's the line where you're just diving too far into, into yourself? And... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that's and that's not. Then you get the king of limbs. That's what you get. Well, <laughs> yeah, that that might be true. That might be true. <laughs> so you're still delaying me from hearing this Radiohead yeah. song, man. Seriously, <laughs> as we talked, is right when the Radiohead single dropped. So yeah. You're going to have to get out of here. You know, it's actually a good moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you, I'm going to set you free right now. Oh, no, it's fine. But I'll tell you that I do love this record. Thank uh, you, man. Painting of a Panic Attack. And for everything that you might have had to go through to make this record, which I know is, you know, part of the deal and part of the game, uh, it did make for a beautiful record. Thank you. So, Scott, I appreciate it's it. great talking to you. Great to talk to you, we'll man. We'll see you later. All right, Rabbit. The 2016 interview with uh, Scott Hutchinson right there talking about the Frightened Rabbit record painting of a panic attack. Now, the last time we got together was actually over the phone. He had uh, gone back to Scotland after having lived in uh, Los Angeles for the last year or so at that point. Uh, Frightened Rabbit had just released an EP called Recorded Songs. This would be their final release while Scott was around. So he and I jumped on the phone and we talked about the importance of L.A. in his life at that point. Uh, Having Julian Baker on this uh, EP right here, he had lost a guitar in Africa. A really entertaining story had come from that. So without further ado, uh, part three of Kyle Meredith with Scott Hutchinson. What's good to hear from you? Yeah, good to talk to you, man. Let's start with the uh, the EP, Recorded Songs. Beautiful new songs. Uh, and yeah. as I'm told, uh, I mean, I'd love to get the story behind these because, as I guess the yep. press quote goes, like these are not looked at as B-sides or, or, or bonus tracks or throwaways or whatever, right? No, they, they're not. They just they were songs that we loved. For the, so two of them, Rained On and Roadless, were both written for the last record. And we demoed or recorded them up to a certain standard and uh, they just didn't fit. It wasn't that they weren't good enough. There was like a, a there like was like a sonic tone to the record that those songs didn't really comply with. So it, it, yeah, and th- th- that's the I guess that's the main difference between these songs and a B side. Like a B side is probably kind of a six out of ten song that you, <laughs> that you've written and might as well go somewhere. But uh, that's not how we felt about these, and, uh, and hence why we wanted to give them slightly more attention than just throwing them on the other side of a, of a single. And, uh, and Julian Baker, of course, is, is a part of this story uh, with one of the songs. Yes. Yeah. I mean, what, like, we've, uh, we've been huge fans of her since um, the last record came out, and, um, and we were lucky enough to play some shows with Julian. It was a case of, you know, like, we, we're all standing there in the audience, um, watching a support act completely silence a room full of people that came to watch our band, you know, and that kind of hit us pretty hard. It was it was uh, spellbinding. Her show is incredible, and just for someone such a small stature on stage, but such a big voice, and and we just love her music. So it was kind of we'd written this song, and it seemed kind of right for a, a duet for another voice. And uh, Julian was the first person that we asked, and she said yes. So that was a really easy easy thing to uh, navigate. Did you guys get to do it live together, or was this one of those uh, over the mail? It was over the mail, as is mostly the case these days. Uh, Julian was, she's become incredibly busy, which is great, Um, but she did the vocal in Nashville. We recorded, actually, we recorded the music in, um, some of it in Texas and some of it back in Scotland, so it's a kind of, it's got an international recording structure, this well, so on these songs uh, on the EP, the two of them, I guess, that I centered on, because I was, I was looking at the lyrics, and, and it's hard not to, especially if you know anything about, you know, I, I keep up with you online, you know, Twitter and everything mm-hmm. else, and I look at Roadless, and I look at Rained On, and knowing that you were in L.A. for a while, and now you're not, mm. 
that's what I'm sort of looking at here. It's like, is this about your time there and, and leaving? The, the, they were certainly written, was written right right in the midst of LA time. You know, I was, I, I mean, the, the title itself alludes to me missing the seasons. You know, I, I, I was definitely feeling out of sorts there a little bit. Um, I wrote that song in a sort of songwriting retreat up in Big Bear in the mountains near Los Angeles, and and yeah, they they, they do refer to that feeling of being a little lost in a in a space. Uh, Roadless is fairly obviously about that. But then trying to reconcile with that, I you know I I was I was going through this whole thing where it's like, is it me? Is it the town? What's wrong here? And yeah, I just gave it my best shot, and it didn't work out. But the the, there was some material to be to be gained from that, uh, certainly, uh, and these these two these two definitely fit into that category. I, I looked at Rain Dawn and I I thought you know, uh, as a fan trying to dig a bit deep uh, or deeper here anyway, <laughs> yeah. like, you know it's possibly you know three different things um, that it's quite a literal song if you want to take it as that uh, you know especially when you're talking about just the rain in L.A. and the dust bowl out there. Uh, yeah, possibly a metaphorical song in the relationship stance, but I also saw the little bit of the political yep. side to it. You know, January first, the calendar flips, and and everything turns a bit darker here in, in our country, at least. Yeah, it is about it is about you know, LA didn't doesn't it's kind of dirty because it doesn't rain enough. I, I was I was like enjoyed this uh, joke by this comedian called Emo Phillips who said like it needs to rain in Scotland so we can clear up all the vomit on the streets. <laughs> And there's part, there's some truth in that, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but um, none of it is mine anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, this I, I, I see January first as very much like a, a start again kind of day. Um, for for however long it may last, usually it lasts like you know on a, on a sort of more modern level. We'll you know maybe maybe we'll go vegan for a month or we'll alcohol, but then it also can provide you with some. Um, perspective on the last year to then you know see how you go dip, go about your kind of personal life and your relationships differently as well it's a it's it's a kind of classic Brighton rabbit song in that sense it's about a relationship and it's uh, about a very specific place so yeah and, and it's, uh, yeah but do you see january 1st as like a dark time no um you know i was looking at it because I, I agree with every bit of what you said there i was looking at january 1st specifically this past january 1st 2017 oh, as a darker time because yeah, of the I, november election yes now that's that's relevant but it was written before that shit went down so but i can see how that could be applicable yeah for sure i, I did try and 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 I, I think i'm wrong because of what you said earlier but i, I said you know it's thinking to myself it's not impossible to draw a line between this ep and your earlier records and i only put it in that context yes. because you're you're celebrating the 10th anniversary of a of midnight right. organ fight so well yeah you're right they do they do bear relations with uh to to a lot of that material you know there's like the acoustic guitars back in there and they're slightly more they're slightly less dense sonically and then some of the stuff we've been putting out recently and that's also why they didn't fit on the last album but um yeah it was it was nice to to sort of revisit that feeling i i guess i guess in a way we're always trying to go back to that feeling where and and i think about it a lot when we were writing midnight organ fight or or i was writing it really i was kind of doing that on my own just with my brother helping out on drums and um that idea that there's no expectation from an audience you're writing very much for yourself it's almost a private affair you know there's uh it's it's all based in a bedroom we weren't fancy enough really to be using studios much at that time and for that everything's exciting and free and now you know it's like ah your band becomes a business you have employees there's all this other side to it and all that's like kind of strip away can strip away the innocence of of making music and so it's something that's constantly in my head and yeah there's like a very direct reminder of it next year that you know we did this record without really knowing what the fuck we were doing and it somehow resonated like out of nowhere without us knowing and then it snowballed and you know we got to the point at the end of that album around sort of beginning of start of our spring 2009 where our live agent was saying you can come back as many times as you like because i know that there will be another 500 people in this town that discovered that record and really wanted to see it live. So it was just going on and on and on. And um, and we none of us knew what was happening, really. So I, and, I, and I think it's important to celebrate that because it's essentially the record that 
put us where we are today, which is a band that can just be a band that can do this for a living. And uh, that's something I'm eternally grateful to that record for, uh, even though we didn't really construct it that way. And, and that record still holds up. I mean, it's only been 10 years, which, you know, in the grand scheme of uh, anniversaries that we seem to be always be celebrating these days, it's not that long. We are but, now, yeah. Yeah, but but still, I mean, 10 years is nothing to, uh, nothing to sniff at there either, so... And it's it not. Yeah, I'm so gonna well. have to listen to it again, I guess, to learn the songs. I don't. I haven't heard it for quite. I maybe haven't heard it in like ten years. So we'll see how it holds up in my mind. <laughs> I, I, I do want to bring up though that you know you put the the tickets on sale for this, and you've had to deal with the whole scalper thing, right? It's been intense. Uh, certainly more so than we've ever experienced in the past. Yeah. Now I know there are a lot of artists that are you know trying to find the ways to to, to get around that. Is that something that you guys have worked with? I mean, did this just blindside you the way it happened. The, right. This 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 was a surprise to us. So um, in the past, there's been a few. There's been a handful of shows, like smaller underplay shows that had sold out pretty quick, but they were so under the radar that um, the scalpers weren't on it. Mm-hmm. So there was none of this. Uh, this one was quite well publicized. Uh, about probably about a week in advance, and that gave people time. It, it, it surprised everyone. Like the ticket websites weren't weren't prepared for the demand. The, a couple of them crashed because um, you know it's like on paper it's like a little Scotch band that's just playing a record that's old as fuck, and uh, they weren't expecting this. So nobody was expecting this. And then I get I'm on a train. And I'm like, tickets which just went on sale. Let's see what's happening. Wonder how many how they're doing. And then it's just this. I go on Twitter, and there's this stream of complaints of people saying, "Holy shit! I didn't get my I, I didn't get my tickets, but that checked on the these like reselling sites, and they're like three times the price. And it's not something that's ever to us before. So we're completely unprepared, and we and I felt awful about it, you know. Yeah. So. Maybe it's not going to be a problem for us again, but uh, it's, it's really raised my eyebrow to the issue. I, I didn't, you know, I know that bigger bands have been fighting it. There's uh, a very kind of hands-on approach from bands like Biffy Clyro over here who have been uh, finding ways. I know the Foo Fighters have started to do it, but it causes problems in itself mm-hmm. when people don't bring ID to the shows and they need their ID to go with their ticket and then they get turned away and that's unfortunate too. So it's a real problem and one that only in the last two weeks I've become more acutely aware of. So yeah, it's something that I'll be keeping an eye on for sure in the future. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, it does say a lot about the success of your band, which, you know, congratulations on sure. that. On the other hand, I mean... These these sites and these scalpers, it's such bullshit. I mean, no oh. fan is a fan of that, you know? it's oh. No, it's awful. I, we, well, we had, like, a lot of people got in touch to say, hey, if I knew my $100 was going straight to you, then I'd pay it in a heartbeat. But right. it's going to, you know, a faceless, um, you know, it, I think it should be, it's, it's criminal, like, really. Oh, it's yeah. taking advantage of taking advantage of people who are desperate to see something to see some you know just something that will make them happy and and it and a lot of the time yeah people will pay way way over the odds for something just because they want to be there and i i find it abhorrent and and i would love to be more active i'm i'm sort of i was really you know the thing is like I was speaking to my mom about it, and then she was like, but, you know, there's lots of happy people, and they sold out in, like, a minute. Glasgow sold out in, like, 90 seconds or something. And um, I couldn't help but focus on all the people that were complaining. <laughs> instead of, like, fo- instead of focusing on... it's a very That's very much one of my traits, where I was like, yeah, that, there's this, like, kind of success story which has these this awful side product, and um, and I was focusing on that. So I, I, I'm kind of getting over it now, but I, I feel bad for those who didn't manage to get tickets. I think we all underestimated this. Well, it, it's it's that kind of attitude from you that's given us such classic songs over these uh, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> 12 years. So, so, you know, that's that's good. There, there is a weird okay, positive in I'll the darkest stay, negative. I'll stay sad, yeah. child. <laughs> <laughs> for you, just for you. No, no. <laughs> The songs are good anyway. Uh, I, and I, I don't want to end on this weird note about the ticket sales, but uh, the, the, the story about your guitar is being lost in Africa. Did you get those back? Yeah, I got my guitar back. Yeah, it was just one. Uh, my friend here I was traveling with, he lost all of his um, clothing as well, his suitcase. 
So um, it ended up being found in Botswana. So we were in South Africa. Right. Uh, we were going from Johannesburg to Cape Town. They didn't turn up. And then we started being off being polite. And we're like, please, can we get some information? And then I just kind of went hardball and made it public on Twitter. And then we got immediate results. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> it's the power of social media again. Is, sometimes yeah. bad, sometimes good. And uh, yeah, we got it back. They traced it to an airport in Botswana. So it's my guitar has been on a little trip of its own. It makes total sense, you know, because you were in you were in South Africa. It makes, it, but there's something about and my guitar ended up in Botswana that just sounds like a punchline. For, for something. It really does. No, it is. And it's, the thing is, like, yeah, I don't want to ruin the, ruin the joke, but it's actually not that far away. It's kind right. of just over the border, but in your mind, it's like your, your guitar's uh, gone thousands of miles and is just laying somewhere <laughs> in the middle of, the, um, you know, a Savannah plane or something. Uh, so, yeah, it was. Uh, it didn't go far, but uh, he's he's with me now. I can see him. Well, I'm I'm glad you got it back, and maybe that'll you know find its own influence into your your next record, and you won't even understand <laughs> how it so. happened. You know, it'll just be some African <laughs> tones that's uh, within oh, the yeah, song. Oh yeah, hell yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, it was really really awesome talking to you uh, as always. Yeah. Um, uh, after this, I mean, it, the EP and and the celebrating the ten years. I, I can't imagine you guys are already looking at the next record, but uh, is that something that's on your mind? Yeah, yeah, it is. We've started demoing, yeah. So it's 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 already underway, um, and yeah, we're, we don't want to leave leave it too long. Um, but yeah, we've got some shit on our plate at the moment, but we'll be doing as much as we can in the time that we have um, in between touring and what have you. Not wasting any time. That's incredible. So. Yeah, well, I, I like my job. I don't want. <laughs> I don't really want days off. <laughs> well put. All right, buddy. We'll we'll take care out there, and uh, and we'll see you around. Cheers. See you soon. All right. Man. Take care. Bye. Bye. And there it is. The, the our final interview. My final interview with Scott Hutchinson of Frightened and Rabbits, uh, talking about the uh, the recorded songs EP. That was 2017. He passed away May 10th of uh, of 2019. Died by suicide. And my heart's still broken. And a lot of people's hearts are still broken. Uh, I am so grateful for all of the music that he put out into the world. I'm so grateful for his friendship. I'm even grateful for his final comment. His final statement that he gave into the world on his, uh, on his Twitter account when he said, be so good to everyone you love, it's not a given. He went on to say, I, I didn't live by that standard and it kills me. Please hug your loved ones. Be so good to everyone you love. We miss you, Scott. And that's where we wrap this one up. But don't end on a sad note. Uh, go out and put some Frightened Rabbit music on now and crank it really, really loud and sing along at the top of your lungs because that's the best way to do it. It's, it's very powerful music. And as usual, you can find me at WFPK.org every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. Uh, you can head over to consequenceofsound.net for your music and film news. I'm at Twitter at Kyle Meredith and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.